Success Insight shares the stories of the people with passion and drive who make things happen in the world. Here's your host, Howard Fox. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of the Success Insight podcast. Our guest today is Eva Grazel. Eva is a nationally recognized master storyteller, a motivational speaker, and patient advocate. Eva's experience of a late-stage oral cancer diagnosis almost stole her ability to return to the work she loved. Regaining her articulation and deep, vibrant voice, she transitioned to speaking in the healthcare industry about her cancer journey. She is the author of two children's books to address the feelings, diminish fears, and promote dialogue around cancer. Her first book, Mr. C Plays Hide and Seek, was published in 2012. And I should say her newest edition is MC Plays Hide and Seek. And that was just published recently and will have full publishing across all the major bookstore platforms in 2021. And she's also the author of Mr. C, the Globetrotter. Eva, it is such a pleasure to have you on the Success Insight podcast and for you to share your journey with our audience. So welcome. Thank you. So I have to say, you know, a nationally recognized storyteller, motivational speaker, I can only imagine the energy in the room when you're up on the stage. And for our audience, I'd love if you could share a little bit about that journey and then you know, this shift, you know, this pivot to working specifically within the healthcare industry as it related to your cancer journey. I know our audience would love to hear more about that. Sure. It's actually an interesting story. I was pursuing a career as an actress in New York City after graduating from college, and I got a job in a religious school. They wanted somebody dramatic to do the Bible stories. I wasn't very religiously bent at all, but heck, it was a great job. It paid well, and I took it. And it was in the classroom where I started to recognize these kids were just bored. They didn't really want to be there. It was an after-school program. So I started trying out different ways to engage their imaginations. I tried accents. I tried having the kids read. I tried costumes. And then one day... I developed this technique of basically not even giving them the book, but narrating the story and then putting it in my own words, using the students themselves to play the parts. For example, I would say, um, Mr. Green asked Mrs. Cheap Heap, and I'd point to the kids, to ask for his money. So the kid would go, yo, Mrs. Cheap Heap, give me my money or however the kid would say it. And it brought the story to life. It was so engaging that we got so into these Bible stories, the kids didn't want to leave. And one day, my life changed when the principal came into the room furious. And she said, didn't you hear the bell ring? You have caused such a traffic jam outside. Dismiss the kids. And I said, I didn't hear the bell ring. I'm so sorry. Guys, I looked at the kids. I said, guys, did you hear the bell ring? And they all said, yeah, but wait, what happens in the story? (laughs) 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 And that's when she dismissed the kids. And the following week, she came into my classroom. After watching this interactive technique, she said to me, Eva, you can make a business out of this. And I said, out of what? 
And she said, the way you tell stories. So she helped me. I mean, here I was, you know, I didn't know anything about business. I had a great college education. And yet I learned nothing about accounting, marketing, business, budgeting, none of that. So she said, look, let me help you. So she marketed my program to her colleagues in other religious schools. And I came up with a creative flyer. I started to book so many programs that I went to a community college and took a course in small business. And I learned about budgeting, accounting, and marketing, things I had no clue about. And I launched a business called Story Theater. And literally, I, I started in just religious, faith-based groups. But then I thought to myself, why am I limiting myself? There's no reason why I can't be doing secular schools. So I took out the religious aspects of a lot of these stories were really just, I changed the characters and these stories were perfect for schools. And my whole theme was values. I didn't want to tell a story that didn't have any message, that didn't have any value to listeners. I didn't want to tell stories about princesses and kings that didn't have a message they could take away and apply to their own lives. So I started telling a lot of folklore. And my business was like, I I loved it. I was traveling around the country, teaching educator workshops and then moving and then doing programs like assembly programs where the teachers would actually see the techniques at work. So it really sounds like you've had this aha moment, albeit from an initial scolding by your principal, but you turn that into a wonderful way to... It's it's more than a job. It's a career, a lifestyle, a passion, and to be able to. It was a career, and I and I enjoyed it, and it was so unique to me. This interactive storytelling. I don't know that anybody else does what I do. That's how unique it is. I have done holiday parties for corporations and some very unique opportunities, even entertainment at conferences where they'll have some interactive storytelling. It's like nothing I've seen anybody else do. So that's kind of cool. Okay. And as you're kind of humming along, you're like on cruise control, perhaps. And then all of a sudden, life kind of forces you into a little bit of a pivot. And so how did that come about? Well, I was speaking and performing around the country and I had a sore on my tongue and it was very odd. It didn't go away. So after about eight weeks, I went to an oral surgeon. He said, look, it's probably nothing. If it bothers you so much, we could take it off. I said, great, take it off. Two days later, I was fine. Two weeks later, he told me it was nothing. Two years later, I found out that the biopsy was misread. Oh, my. And that the sore had continued to grow over that time. And they kept treating me for trauma. They told me I was biting my tongue. They told me uh, my teeth were sharp. And basically, I went misdiagnosed. And then I, I was really desperate for an answer. I mean, my tumor in my tongue got so big, it was sitting on a nerve to my ear and I was getting earaches. And I went to a general practitioner. I had no idea that there was such a thing as oral cancer. 
Oh, wow. And, it, you know, it's interesting as you kind of describe the interactions with the the healthcare professionals. And was this medical, dental? Because it's almost as though they're hearing you, but they're not listening to you. I totally felt that. Howard, have you ever gotten an oral cancer screening at your dentist? I really don't know. I know I, I know he checks my around my lymph nodes and looks at oh, my that's tongue. Good. He feels your neck. Yeah. That's good. So my beef is that if doctors or dentists are performing a screening on you or providing a service to you, that it's their duty to educate you about what they're doing. So what he's actually doing is he's feeling your neck for any hard fixed lymph nodes. And that's a classic sign of this HPV-associated oropharyngeal cancer. But there are other signs and symptoms, and a non-healing sore in your mouth, like I had, is another symptom. Pain, especially one-sided, is another symptom. So does your doctor yank your tongue out and flip it around, looking around for any lumps or bumps? Yes, he does. Okay. So you're getting an oral cancer screening, but you never knew it. I never knew it. And the problem with that is if you don't know the signs and symptoms, if you don't know what they're looking for, if you go to your dentist once a year, once every six months, and you develop a symptom two weeks after you leave the dental office, you may not go back for six to nine months or a year or two. It's interesting. When I go to the dentist and and I actually... In the spirit of full disclosure, Eve, I actually need to go find a new dentist. I mean, in this age of COVID, a lot of people don't want to go to the dentist, but the hygienist would sit down and ask, they're looking at the notes, has there been any health changes? It's like, yeah, I'm gaining weight or right. something that's really, you know, maybe it means something, maybe it doesn't, but there's real, I mean, they come in, they do the work, but there's no real education going on. There's no conversation to create awareness, insight. They're just... That's right. That's why I created posters to educate, to display in healthcare centers, in corporate break rooms. There's goodie bag cards. There's self-exam cards. Do you know you could give yourself a self-exam? I never knew that. Yeah, so you could feel your own neck. But if you don't know what to feel for, you wouldn't know what to do. So anyway, on the website, sixstepscreening.org, you can see what the six steps are that you need to do. In short, it's evaluate, look at your tongue, your cheeks and your lips, the floor of your mouth, the roof of your mouth, the back of your throat, go ah, look for symmetry back there. It's certainly if one side is a little redder or a little more swollen than the other side, this is something you want to definitely check out. And then the last thing to do is check the neck, feel your neck. So right now, Howard, you could actually turn your chin to one shoulder and that sternocleidomastoid muscle, that big muscle pops out. Feel it. Feel from under your ear all the way down to your clavicle. And now put your chin down to your chest, also to the side, and see how you feel. You can feel different things. So this is part of how you could feel your own neck for any abnormal lumps. So a lymph node that's tender, that moves around, those are normal. It's the bumps that are hard and fixed that are serious. Wow. Now, with this six-step screening and the campaign, how, how is this campaign being carried out? You have come out from this experience healthy. 
more self-aware, really for yourself and also what's available in the community in, in doctor's offices, dental offices, and realize there's a need that needed to be filled. You've got this campaign to do that. In addition to the cards, the, the goodie bags, how are you carrying out this campaign today? Well, the website alone reaches 80,000 unique visitors each month on average. And this is these are people all over the world who can reach out, contact, you know, get information. If you're newly diagnosed, if you have something in your mouth that's abnormal and you don't know what it is and you're searching around online. So people find the website and what's really unique about it is that I'm not a healthcare provider. So I can say what I want and there is no HIPAA violations. I can give recommendations to people. And the most common recommendations are get a second opinion, document anything you see. In other words, if you've got something abnormal in your mouth, take a picture, write down the date, write down what you're feeling. So you've got documentation when you do go see somebody. Because all dental professionals should know that something abnormal in your mouth for more than 14 days should be biopsied. So if you've been watching something for a month or two, they should say, okay, we're going to get it biopsied right now. And especially if you have a picture, it just speeds along the process. And the bottom line is this disease is absolutely devastating when diagnosed late. I mean, to lose your ability to speak normally, to eat normally, to look okay, it's absolutely devastating, but it's very survivable if it's caught early. So my goal is to educate people so this disease is caught in its early stages. And how did this work around the the screening, the, the awareness, how did that begin to evolve into crafting these these wonderful books you know um uh, mc plays hide and seek its previous edition mr c and also mr c the globetrotter when did that start to come onto the landscape for you like oh i I think i there needs to be some books here how did that come about Well, you know, after I recovered, I start when I realized there wasn't enough information, I started six step screening. And then when I reached my 10 year cancer free anniversary, I felt like I had a market and I couldn't think of any better way than to help children like my own who were traumatized by watching me go through the very public effects of, you know, treatment for this disease. I mean, you cannot hide your face under clothes. So it was very public and very traumatic for my whole family. My children were five and seven at the time. And I decided, okay, there weren't resources. I didn't readily find resources for them that were really useful, that I loved, that I felt were indispensable. And so I thought, I'm going to write it. And these books, Howard, are everything I wished I had for my own children. The first book, The MC Plays Hide and Seek. So the original version was Mr. C, but I decided now that it's in its new edition, I wanted it to be gender neutral. There's absolutely no reason why it had to be Mr. Okay. And gender neutral is very popular now. So I wanted to be very updated with my character. And this book starts by introducing 
all the doctors that play hide and seek, radiologists and dentists and long words like gastroenterologists. I, I list all these doctors and it's sort of fun. I try to play a game with the kids about knowing what these doctors do and what they look for, what they might specialize in. So that's kind of fun. And it's educational, like really educational. They learn something. Then there's this section about if a person is diagnosed with cancer, there are all kinds of feelings. The doctors have feelings. They want to make sure they do everything they can to help the person. The person has feelings, they're scared, but the kids in their lives have feelings too. And the next section is all about the feelings that children have. And there are many. There are reasons I feel very strongly that people need to tell their children about a cancer diagnosis. Why? Because not telling them is promoting secrecy and dishonesty in the family. So it's really important not to do that and to share in an age-appropriate way that somebody was diagnosed with cancer and we're doing everything we can. We've got the best doctors and we're going to make it through together. The next reason you tell kids is because if anything were to happen to this person with cancer and they would die, let's say, the children could be forever angry at them. They they would have had feelings that will never be resolved because those people are gone now. So open up those lines of communications and talk about it. You know, these kids are sharp. They are smarter than we think they are. They hear cries. They hear the phone ringing off the hook. They feel the tension. They are smart. So rather than them be confused and scared and be in this place of unknown that's unhealthy emotionally, confront them. Use these books to help them with their feelings. And don't you agree? Yeah, and I'm curious how, so you've crafted these books, wonderful words and illustrations, and how do you, or how have you then taken this work and begun the conversation with the parents, with the kids to help actualize this information to understand it and put it into practice. Because I would imagine, by the way, if I think parents, would they be, it seems like they might be scared to do this because they're scared as well. Well, you're right. So if a parent is scared, certainly they're going to pass that feeling right on to their children. I think the book can actually help the parent too in being able to talk about it in a comfortable way. It's for ages five and up. In other words, let's start really easily, you know, move into that conversation slowly. And I think these books do that. The last section of the book is an empowerment section. It's all the things that children can do and parents can do to help the children and children can do to help themselves, such as writing in a diary about their feelings, drawing a picture about how they feel, 
talking to somebody. Who can they talk to? Let's identify people in the family or people, you know, parents of friends or the the counselor at school, but to start by identifying the people that the child can speak to. And then they can write a letter to their president about or prime minister about how more money should go to helping a cure and helping their parents. They could maybe learn more about science and about what cancer is if they're a little bit older and they want to learn about cells. So there's so many things that children can do to empower themselves. And when they're empowered, instead of turning away from a somebody with cancer, with fear and apprehension and confusion, they can turn towards these people with empathy, with compassion, with support. With this program and with this, the book and the conversation, are you able to go into, for example, a, into a hospital or that has the oncology department, they have various development programs, educational programs, a lot of them for the patient, him or herself, or the child, the adult. Perhaps there is an education opportunity for the families of the the, the individual going through the cancer treatment. There's also lots of nonprofit organizations. And for the life of me, I'm drawing a blank, Eva, but it's in Hillside, uh, Illinois, Oh, God, the last name is House, but it was I've done some workshops there. But cancer families, you know, cancer survivors, folks going through it, they have lots of programs. Yes, they do. The hospital Johns Hopkins in Baltimore, they purchase these books and they give it to every newly diagnosed cancer patient. It goes in the welcome backpack. So oncology, this should be in oncology offices. It could be in hospital gift shops. It could be at pediatricians offices. I mean, when you go to the pediatrician, you want to be educated. You want your child to learn more about health and health-related things. And this book would fit in well. So I, I have to say, and again, Eva, you may already have realized this, and maybe that's on your vision board for, okay, this is this is what's next. And I'll ask you what's next, Eva. But it seems to me that there's ha- there should be something more than just giving the book, that, you know, there should be a program, so, you know, every, once a month, once a week, Eva, or maybe somebody trained by Eva is going to appear, go to Johns Hopkins or the local nonprofit that works with oncology survivors and deliver a program for children about how to be with. Howard, that's a great idea. I never thought of that, but that's actually a great idea. I love it. There you go. It's free. You know, (laughs) my gift to you. Thank you. No, that's a great idea. I can most definitely develop it into some kind of program. I really like that idea. And again, there's no intent whatsoever to put my guests on the spot, but it seems I can give somebody a book. Will they read it? Will they? Is it is it easy enough to read? Is it too hard to read and to share? And I and I as a parent or I as the one going through the cancer is it too difficult for me to have this conversation? And so I'm thinking back to your days in storytelling with your kids in school. Some parents are like, I got this, but there's there's probably a lot of others that are like, you know, this would be good. Even if, you know, once a month you go in 
and Eva or somebody trained by Eva is going to deliver this program. I did do a program called Roar with Courage, and it was a program for children, uh, healthy children, who had a parent or grandparent with cancer. And I basically told stories. And each of the stories addressed feelings that the child might be feeling. And then they drew pictures or they talked about it. But I'm not a psychologist, but I think that I can give a lot of people hope because I planned my funeral. I really didn't think I was going to make it. And I got this second chance at life. And I feel very comfortable talking about everything you experienced because I did. I experienced it all. I think there's this is a wonderful opportunity here. I mean, this book, you know, you know, what I find about children's books is so many of them have lessons. And a lot of times it's not just the child. And you're incredibly correct, spot on. Children are like sponges. They get things. They may not have the the ability to articulate how they're feeling, but they absorb in the moment what's happening. And, and in some cases, that what is happening carries on with them into their adult lives. And that's why we have a lot of, you know, adults that are a little bit, uh, or have some issues sometimes, whatever those might be. But it just seems that there's lots of opportunities here, uh, you know, with the kids and through this kind of work to really continue the discussion and the conversation between the healthcare community, the the individuals going through the diagnosis and also the kids. And it's just incredibly wonderful how you have, you know, crafted all this together. And this new idea aside, where do you see going with your work with the six step screening and, and additional books for children? What do you, what do you see is next for you? Well, I've started to write a book for high school age kids. There are very little, few resources out there for that age group and how they cope with a parent with cancer. So I've been working on that. That was me, by the way. My my When my dad passed away, oh. I was 20, 24. So he, I, late, I was late in high school when he was diagnosed. Mm. Yeah. Yeah, so I, that's that's my next goal. Okay. okay. A simple book, simple, easy to read, but just to emphasize that your feelings matter and that it's really important to have an emotionally healthy experience through it. It can be emotionally healthy. Why? How can it be? You're wondering, well, I really think it could be emotionally healthy because if you learn how to be empathetic and compassionate and supportive, wow, you're going to be a great friend through life. You're going to know how to how to support your family members when other members, when they go through difficult times. The lessons to be learned are really something you can't take in school. You know, it's not like a course, you know, you go through it. So I feel that it's a very, you know, we can look at it like and complain about it and mourn about our losses and be depressed about it. And that's the legacy you leave. Or you could say, well, you know, I can't do this anymore and I can't do that anymore, but I can still hug. I can still see these people. I can still play the piano. And I love that. I can still do whatever it is you can still do. So it's all about focus. 
You can focus on what you've lost or you can focus on all the blessings you have in your life. And when you do that, you really do leave a legacy to everyone who knows you and loves you about how to live life through challenging times. I love that. So Eva, if our listeners would like to continue after listening to this podcast, stay in touch with you and learn more about you and your work, where are the best places for them to go? Well, they can go to obviously sixstepscreening.org or they can reach out to my website, evagrazel.com. That's E-V-A-G-R-A-Y, like the color of my hair, <laughs> Z-E-L.com. And on the Eva Grazel website, I have a page of stories. They're one-page stories. They're you know, one-minute reads, basically. You can use them at your Thanksgiving dinner to promote some dialogue on meaningful topics. And maybe we could conclude the show with a story. What do you think, Howard? You know, I I have done that in the past and I've lost sight of that. So I'm so glad you brought that up because I know I and my listeners would love to hear a story from you. Okay. Well, there was a young guy who gave up his life to save someone else. And when he went to the world beyond, he was asked whether he wanted to reside up above or down below. Well, this young guy said, hey, I want to see both places before I make my decision. And first he went down below. And there he saw this big pot of sweet-smelling, bubbling soup in the center of the space. And there were people sitting all around, and everybody had a long-handled spoon, long enough to reach the nutritious soup. But when he looked at the people, they were sick. They were pale, miserable. Then he went up above. Surprisingly enough, he saw the exact same thing, a big pot of sweet-smelling, bubbling soup soup <laughs> and everybody was all around that bowl of soup with their long handled spoons but up above the people were smiling they were full they were robust and the young man wondered why the difference when both places have the same thing down below the people were trying to feed themselves the handles of the spoons were so long that by the time they got the soup, the soup couldn't reach their own mouths. Up above, the people didn't even try to feed themselves. Uh, I know where you're going. They only fed each other. Yes. And when this young man was asked again whether he wanted to reside up above or down below, Howard, where do you think he chose? Well, there's, there's an obvious, but if I go below, I can teach them how to feed each other. That's right. So the original version of this folktale, which is 2,000 years old, says that he chose to live up above because he deserves to be in a good place. But like you, I believe he chose to live down below because there he could make a difference. Right. And no matter where we are in life, no matter what age we are, no matter what profession we practice or education we've acquired, we can bless and enrich other lives. And when we do that, we feel important. We feel like our life has meaning and purpose. 
So on this Thanksgiving, I encourage all of you listening to collect charity, say what it is you're grateful for, and then decide as a group where that money goes, or just give gratitudes to each other. Practice, instead of criticizing the people you love and need most, try complimenting them a lot. Get better at complimenting people, mostly for children, because I feel that children learn how other people see them when you compliment them. Right, right. So much of that. Well, Eva, it has been an absolute pleasure to uh, have you as our guest on the Success Insight podcast. I hope this was a pleasant experience for you. And I'm so glad your publicists, Lori and Allie from Forward Publicity, introduced you to us. And thank you so much for spending time out of your weekend before Thanksgiving with us. Thank you. Thanks, Howard. Bye-bye. All right, folks, we've just been having this wonderful chat with Eva Grazel. She is the author of MC Place Hide and Seek. It's in its second edition. It's available now and uh, fully on all the major book platforms in 2021. Uh, She's also the author of Mr. C, The Globetrotter. And, you know, Eva, again, is a nationally recognized master storyteller, a motivational speaker, and patient uh, advocate. And, you know, really with this story about her late stage oral cancer diagnosis, she has channeled that event into working with kids and adults even on how to address their feelings, diminish fears, and promote dialogue around cancer. And through her sixstepscreening.org organization, she works with the provider community to help them work with their patients and families to educate them about cancer screening. So what a wonderful way to to make a difference in in society. And also, if you would like to learn more about uh, Eva and her work, by all means, go out to sixstepscreening.org. We'll provide a backlink to that site on our show notes, as well as to her website where you can get a plethora of a lot of other information, including her one-page worksheets that you can use and and share. You can visit her at uh, evagrazel.com and we'll, we'll provide the backlinks. And also on that website, there are links to all of her social sites, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, Instagram, LinkedIn, Pinterest. Oh my gosh, she's everywhere. And really uh, do take advantage of listening to Eva's message. It's just really uh, enthralling. So again, we're very uh, appreciative to have her as a guest here on the Success Insight Podcast. Do let us know your thoughts about this episode or any other episode for that matter when you visit our podcast library on Success Insight Podcast. You can also visit our Facebook and LinkedIn pages, Success Insight Podcast, and on the podcast platforms, uh, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, Pandora, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and we also have our YouTube channel. All right, folks, wherever you are, whatever you're doing, go out there, have a phenomenal day, practice social distancing, wear your mask, take care of yourselves, take care of your family. And really, as the message from Eva today, think about it's not just you, but take care of the community and, you know, feed others 
and help others to to get their nourishment. And, you know, but by all means, do stay safe. And we'll see you on the next episode of the Success Insight Podcast. Take care now. Success Insight is a production of Fox Coaching and First Story Strategies. Find us online, successinsightpodcast.com. 